Think about the concept of rare. It's often synonymous with unique, valuable, precious. But what about in the context of disease? Rare diseases are defined as having an extremely low prevalence, yet an estimated 30 million Americans have one. That's one in 10 people. Listen as we uncover some of the inspiring stories of lives touched by rare disease and see how in the end, we all have rare in common. We are on the road in Seattle at ACMG's annual clinical genetics meeting. We're really excited to have the rare opportunity to speak directly with members of the medical genetics community, as well as some advocates for people living with rare genetic conditions. The timing of this meeting is special as it falls during the first ever Medical Genetics Week, which is April 2nd through 6th. For more information, visit acmg.net. What's your name? Chris. Chris, I'm Andra. I'm the host of Rare in Common. It's a podcast about rare diseases. We are here at ACMG to talk with geneticists and clinicians and genetic counselors and patients all about rare disease. Okay. So you work with patients with rare disease? Yes, I'm a clinical geneticist. And is that what brings you here? Yes. As a clinical geneticist, do you work with patients on a daily basis? Are you in the lab? How does that work? I work as a clinician primarily. Actually, I'm part-time pediatrician, part-time geneticist. Oh, that sounds like you're probably a full-time both. Kind of, Do they overlap? Occasionally, I see children in pediatric practice with genetic disorders. And what have you learned so far here do you think that'll be the most exciting to take back to your practice with you? I guess just learning about the progress in terms of actually you know, therapies that are coming into play with various genetic disorders so we can go back beyond just diagnostics and more into therapies to help, you know, um, make patients better and ultimately hopefully heal them. And do you think that we're in the range in genetics and rare disease for that to happen? I think it's starting to happen. I think it's at the bare beginning and hopefully it'll continue to progress. Thanks so much for just stopping and saying Uh, hi, and hope you enjoy tomorrow. I'm Andrew. I'm the host of Rare and Common. Okay. So it's a podcast about rare disease. I'm Terry. I'm Debbie. Hi. Nice to meet you. Terry lives here. I'm here in Washington, and this is my daughter, Chrissy. Hi, Chrissy. Who has trisomy 18 and is 19 years old. And you're here... We're here with Saw. As an awareness booth, right? We're a support group um, for people who have been diagnosed their kid, you know, with pregnancy, trisomy 18 or 13, or um, people who have already had their child and just have, you know, decided they want to do everything they can for their child and then come to us. So do you come to ACMG every year? We try. We try. If we have somebody, you know, we have, we're a national group. And so if we have somebody in the area that can come and man yep. the booth, we, we will go there or somebody that can go there inexpensively <laughs> because we are totally funded on donations. What do you think meetings like this do to enhance the future of genetics and rare disease? Well, I, I think we just give hope to people, you know, just to, I mean, to see our kids that some of them are adults and realize that they can do this too. You know, that, that was my, that's what helped me. I, my daughter died when she was a baby, but, you know, I got to the point where it's like, okay, I need to 
prepare for how my life's going to be with her. And so I met people with older children and went, I can do this. And do you find that personalizing it in this way and working with geneticists in an environment like this makes a difference? Oh, yeah. And if you we, can put a face to it, yeah. put a face to it, that's why our booth is completely covered with our pictures of our kids. Yeah. Because as soon as you bring the heart into it, you realize these are they're people too. We love the genetics and, counselors, yeah. and we're like, take it, yeah, please. give it to your patients. Give them hope. Tell them we're out there. And they're all very appreciative and said, we just are glad to know you're there. We have somewhere to send our patients when they're in that desperation state. And do you feel a greater sense of hope in where we are with genetics today in rare disease? Oh, yeah. Way more than when our kids were born right. 20 years ago. You know, not, yeah. not everything's changed. Not, you know, it, 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 it still, it our parents, still, a lot of them get pressure that this is, you know, this is a negative situation and it's not going to get better. But we do our best to, to offer hope, you know, tell them, educate you, start making memories every day, educate yourself in every way you can, and hold on to hope because nobody knows. They don't know until you the never time. knew when the next genetic breakthrough. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Thank you so much, you ladies. It was really you nice to meet you. you. Thank the, you, Christy. Get the word out. Hi, I'm Joe Alima. Hi, Joe. And what's your title? What brings you here to ACMG? Uh, I'm an assistant director of the Molecular Genetics Lab at Children's Mercy Hospital. Oh, that's excellent. Do you work in rare disease? I very much do. Tell me, like, how do you work with rare disease patients? So uh, I don't really have direct patient contact, but my job is basically in the laboratory to identify the molecular lesions that cause the rare diseases. Any particular rare diseases that you work with? or uh, I'm particularly interested in Smith-McGinnis syndrome, uh, and so is my colleague Christopher, who has some training in Smith-McGinnis syndrome as well. I did, but I do all cancer genetics now. So. so is there anything that you've heard here today about the advancements that you'll be taking back to your practice immediately? I think there'll be some more things that are technically important, uh, maybe looking at things that we currently don't look at related to the genome and things that cause different types of uh, mutations. but. Other than that, I think uh, most of it's just uh, some of the stuff we're already doing. Isabel, what do you think? I think so. I think right now our lab is looking at translational genomics, so using additional tools to be able to make sense of the variant that we understand and the impact on the protein, but also the RNA function and the pathway of the disease and understanding those rare disease pathways where we can breach with pharmaceutical company for therapy discovery and at least thinking about those therapy at some point. And how uh, do you think rare diseases will be changed by all our advancements here in genetics? I think probably an earlier time to diagnosis. Excellent. And now that we're understanding more and more about the pathology behind these diseases, it's right. finally going to be some treatments that are going to come out for some of them. You think earlier, earlier diagnosis, yeah. earlier treatment? I think so. I think also just, you know, pushing this to the next level, which is now we can identify it pretty easily, at least at the DNA level. And I think it's now, let's go to the next step and be, how do we fix that? How do we treat that? How do we avoid it? That'll provide a lot of hope to a lot of the patients, right? It's really exciting. That's the idea. It's to give an answer for the family, to give them more option, not just on, you know, the choice of therapy, the choice of management that they want for the child, but also to look at other family with similar disease that may not be exactly the same gene, but gene within the same pathway or same disease bracket to be able to find those leverage to make a difference in their child, but also in other family. It was really nice thanks to meet you. So thanks much. for talking. And thanks for your work. Really appreciate it. Thank you. We, we appreciate everything that you guys do for advocacy and to get it out there. So. That's the key, right? Always. Partnership.
Hi. We're here with the Global Genes at ACMG. The last time we were on the road, we were at the Rare Disease Summit. This time we're at ACMG, and we're just stopping on through and saying hi. Well, hi, Andrea. How are you? I'm doing really well. What do you think has been the most exciting thing that you have seen or the most exciting conversation you guys have had with a geneticist or a genetic counselor or patient advocacy group? It's just been really great to get a different perspective of, of the rare disease community. You know, normally we just interact with patients, their families and their caregivers, but really getting into that different side of the rare disease community, teaching genetic counselors about the resources that Global Gene can provide. Yeah, it's, it's all really about great. teamwork. It is. Yeah. yeah, it's been great. It's been great to see you, Global Genes. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Hi, do you work with patients with rare disease at all? Yes. My name is Patricia Bader, and I am a clinical geneticist at the Carl Foundation Hospital in Champaign, Illinois. I'm associate professor at the University of Illinois. We've heard there's been amazing uh, talks and TED Talks today. What have you learned so far that you think you'll take back to your practice? Well, of interest, I attended one of the very early March of Dimes meetings uh, back at Johns Hopkins. And at that point, we were talking about what might be causing kidney anomalies. And I just exited a talk about the genes that might be causing it. Oh, that's exciting. Yes. Yeah. And do you will you be able to talk with that directly with your patients? or It will allow me to look differently at the patients at the that, patients I, you see. that I see who have that, yes. That's great. And in addition to that, what do you think are, what's the future of genetics and rare disease? Well, I mean, just uh, look at the uh, uh, gene replacement studies, yeah. uh, the various uh, treatments that we didn't even think about. Uh, and I was just talking to uh, someone uh, who is getting ready to uh, do gene therapy for PKU. Interesting, and yeah. So, and so that was just being discovered, uh, you know, before many of us were born. I was about five years old when that was discovered. How long have you been practicing? Uh, 50 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the field guess, has changed. Right. 50 years next year, I... I was uh, lied a little bit. Well, <laughs> yeah. hopefully you don't retire anytime soon, though, yeah. since you're uh -huh. continuing your education. Right. There's so much more to learn and to right. take back to you, right. to your practice with you. Sure, yes. Great. Well, thank you so much for just stopping and saying hi. So I'm here with Lori, and Lori and I have a, a long history with lipodystrophy. So Lori, I still have Lipodystrophy United, the foundation, but I also host a podcast called Rare and Common about rare diseases. Oh, yes. Good. So we're here talking with geneticists, genetic counselors, patient advocate groups, industry about how things are changing for rare disease in, yeah. So what is, what's the most exciting thing you've heard or seen today? Today, it's you. Oh, yay! That's I'm the best say answer, that, right? Because yeah. I, no, I'm going to say that because that's what it's all about. It's about the patients, right? Oh at the my bottom gosh. of the day, at the end of the day, yes. I do what I do because I feel like I'm making a difference in patients' lives every day, which ultimately helps somebody else down the road. That is so. So seeing you, to I was like, oh, look at I know her. Yes, that's so great. Yeah. So with lipodystrophy, we saw some changes, but when in other rare diseases, where do you think genetics are changing how we will treat rare disease? So I think people are looking, not just treating signs and symptoms anymore. Maybe they're looking a little deeper into what's going on. Yes. When you start putting the pieces of the puzzle together, right? Yeah. And then 
when you have treatment, more and more, uh, there's more and more treatment options out there. Right. People get more and more interested in. The problem is, is we don't have enough geneticists out there to see. Interesting. You think there's a shortage of I, geneticists? That's my perception. Okay. Yeah. It's a great world. This is why we have these Five events, right? To come together. More yes. than a shake of hand, Lori. Thank yes, you. For, thank you, Andrea. It's so, so nice, nice to see you. Hi. Hi, Andrea. George. Nice to meet you, George. Nice to meet you. So you work in rare disease? Does every bit? geneticist? <laughs> I would hope so, yes. Sure. And what's your title? I am the uh, department chief for Kaiser Permanente in Southern California. Oh, that's very exciting. I think so. Yeah. I mean, that's a large population, so that's a lot of rare disease, potentially. That's right. We've got, we've got four million people to, uh, to watch over. It's a lot of responsibility. It is. So what's the most exciting thing you've learned here today that you think you'll take back right away? I think more of us may be leaning towards doing whole exome or whole genome sequencing in the newborn period in infants with uh, complex birth defects um, because there are more situations where we need a rapid answer and nice. the result is is a little more accessible in terms of cost. And you think the technology is there right now? The technology is there. It's a matter of cost. And for the non-HMO providers, there's the whole question of pre-authorization, which in an HMO we don't need to deal with. Right. And where do you think that rare disease will be in the future as these genetics advancements continue? For all of them, we hope to decrease the morbidity of their conditions. Uh, in some cases, for some families, we work with them to reduce the risk for recurrence, if, if that is their personal goal, and um, advocate for them in, in terms of future research and interventions. Right. Thank you so much. It was pleasure. really a pleasure, George. Hi, how are you? Oh, you guys are Nord. Nord and the Mobius Syndrome Foundation were sharing a booth oh, together. You're partnering together. That's really great. This is actually the first time that the Mobius Syndrome Foundation has come to this conference. So we're very excited to be here. Very excited to talk to geneticists and genetic counselors about Mobius Syndrome because Mobius is so rare. There's only about 3,000 cases reported worldwide. So the more education we can get out there, the better. So we're educating about Mobius Syndrome, talking about the conferences that we do. Uh, we've got two mini conferences coming up this year. One is actually this weekend in Portland, Oregon, and one later this year in Texas. Congratulations. I know Thank that's you. a big deal when families can get together or you bring science and families together. Absolutely. So in coming to an event like this, have you talked with people about some advancements in genetics that help you feel more hopeful about what's happening with the Mobius Syndrome? So we've been affiliated with the Mobius Syndrome Foundation for many years now. Uh, my daughter Jessica here has Mobius syndrome. Hi, Jessica. And, and uh, there's you know, a lot of research that has been going on over the years, and the clinicians have been wonderful. The NIH and Boston Children's, the opportunity to to have them come together. There's actually actually been a couple of presentations here where Mobius syndrome was talked about as well. So we're really eager to see how science progresses over the next couple of years, and really thankful for the opportunity to be here to network with everybody and certainly very appreciative of our partner organization, Nord, and to have the opportunity to share this with them as well. 
How do you think Nord has helped? I have a rare disease as well. So how do you feel our greater umbrella organizations have helped us in working with scientists and geneticists and partnering the way we need to? It's a great question. Nord has been absolutely fabulous. Fantastic in connecting the rare disorder community with each other, helping to align resources and point people in the right direction. I think Nord is probably the first place that so many people go when they hear about a new or rare disorder. They think Nord is synonymous with rare disorders, and that's absolutely the first place to go. And Nord has done a lot of things over the years. You know, she could speak to that much more than I, but they also have great conferences coming up as well where they're bringing clinicians and families and patients together as well. Yeah, that's great. And you're right. They help us. Why recreate the wheel, right? There's so much to learn. So if we can use tools and resources created by Nord, then we can learn how to partner with our geneticists yep. so much more quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Great. Well, thank you so much for talking with us. Thank you. We I really appreciate it. your time. I'm the host. I have a rare disease. So I speak with lots of patients throughout the year and here we're talking with geneticists and counselors so what's your name my name is billy lee noglu and i'm a genetic counselor great and we're here because we have a booth from ucsf and we have a clinical trial for alpha thalassemia oh that's exciting yeah. that's fantastic a rare disease. Uh, also a rare disease yeah yes. so are you learning anything here that you'll take home to your practice right away when genetic counseling well, I think we're really encouraged. This is Dr. Tippy McKenzie and Megan Foe, and we're all a part of our team. And we work in the fetal treatment center, and everybody is talking about gene therapy and promises for all these rare diseases that we didn't have such promise for before. Right. And everyone talks about the value of early therapy, and we are introducing therapies in the in utero period, in the fetal period. So it's really Very exciting because you can't get any earlier than that. And a, a lot of what people people aren't talking about that, but that's something that we're working hard on. As a genetic counselor, um, do you work with the families immediately after diagnosis? Um, sometimes or help them get to the diagnosis. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. great. And how do you think all of our technologies and genetics will change the future of rare disease in the next five to 10 years? Well, our differential list is going to get a lot different because we have a way to cast a wider net and not try to use the classical genetics, you know, phenotype and single gene methodology. And we're going to probably learn a lot more about what phenotypes these genes Absolutely. truly express. And a greater prevalence, right? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much for being here and for chatting with us quickly and for your work. Thank you so much. Thanks. Have a great day. I'm Andra. I have a podcast, Rare and Common, on rare diseases. Oh, hi. And we're just stopping by to talk with patient advocates and geneticists and talk with you, like, what brings you here to ACMG? Well, we are um, part of an an organization called DSDN, Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network, and obviously Down Syndrome is not a rare disease, but we are providing support for families through Facebook and through social media. So that's that's really how we started, and just getting that family-to-family support, because just like with the rare diseases, sometimes there's not somebody in your town or right next to you or your neighbor that has that same diagnosis. Or if they do, it's they don't necessarily... They're kids aren't the same age or you're not in the same space or you're not dealing with the same emotions or the same things that you have to deal with. So this is a support group for families, mainly with kids from ages prenatal, from a prenatal diagnosis, um, two, three. That's mainly when they're looking for support and looking to make connections. We also are here at this meeting in particular, and we go to some other meetings also. We really want to support 
a good diagnosis experience. So we talk to physicians, obviously to genetic counselors that know, and with all the cell-free DNA and some of this early um, testing that's coming out for Down syndrome, but also other diseases, then there's a lot of people that are in a position to give a diagnosis that aren't really prepared to give all the information in the diagnosis. So we also give offer resources for practitioners so that patients can have a good diagnosis experience and a positive diagnosis experience. So we are making great advancements. What do you see as the future of rare disease, early diagnosis with genetics and disease? Well, I think that the cell-free DNA, in particular for the trisomies, there's a cell-free DNA, and I think that's probably going, I, I mean, I can't speak really on other diseases, but from what I know, I would see that expanding to there's a lot of things that they'll be able to diagnose prenatally. It's not They may get to a point where they can diagnose even things like autism. So I think the reason that the Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network and some of these groups that are doing advocacy for these trisomies of things that can already be diagnosed prenatally is really important because when you give this diagnosis to a parent, are you giving that diagnosis so they can make a decision about whether this is something that they want to continue and or are you giving them it for information so they can be prepared to have this child um, with this condition but also get as much information as they can so i i think that these advocacy groups our challenge now is to catch up to the technology yes. so the technology is there to diagnose these sometimes prenatally but what are we doing with that information? Right. And how can we support people once they get that information? We can have a lot of advancements, but if we're not communicating and partnering in, in yeah. a way that provides the right information at the right time. Yeah, exactly. Well, mm -hmm. thank you for being here to provide that education. It's yeah. been great to just chat with you for just yeah, a minute. It was nice Thanks to so meet much. you. And what was your name? Aisha Stahula. Marie Bassick. <laughs> Hi, Andy. Hi. I'm Andrew Stratton, the host of We're In Common. So you work in genetics, what's Correct. your title? I am an uh, associate professor at Northwestern University and practice uh, primarily prenatal and cancer genetics. So you do work in rare diseases? Yes. And what is the most exciting thing you've heard today or seen today that you think you'll take back to your practice right away or your teaching? I think today the most interesting part were the uh, TED Talk format that they had this morning and... Yeah, there were some patient stories, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, especially um, the woman who started the advocacy and support and research group for uh, Duchenne, Duchenne, Muscular, Duchenne Muscular Dystrophy. Yeah, that yeah, was just a fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, story and just of her, her life and being personal and taking that from beyond her family to benefit others. So I love that. In all the science you've heard today, that that story still is is really the thing that, that brings stood it out all and, to you. And resonated. Yeah, yeah, it does bring it home and um, show the impact of what we do and what we try to do. So how do you think genetics advancements are going to change rare disease for us in the next five, ten years? I think with a lot of the newer testing and some of the things that in prenatal, we're not even doing as much yet like with the whole exome, whole genome sequence, er, sequencing, um, finding um, often answers to, for some families, lifelong mysteries, what's been going on um, with their so kids. So increased diagnoses. Right, and just being able to get that reassurance, get that information for other family members, what might that mean for them, and thinking about what I do, what that means for them having children, and how that will affect decision-making and, and 
going about building families. It's exciting times. Yeah. I imagine in your practice being able to provide more answers mm -hmm. is more fulfilling for That's sure. That's the idea, yeah, and being able to turn all this complicated stuff into digestible information with the brief amount of time that we have. Well, thanks, Andy. Very really welcome. appreciate it. Enjoy your day tomorrow. This episode was recorded live at the 2019 American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics Annual Clinical Genetics Meeting in Seattle, Washington. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rare in Common podcast. If you enjoyed the program, you can subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Rare in Common. Click. Listen. Feel. Feel.